Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A, a, a grain of rice. A, a grain of rice. It's going to tip the scale. Just remember that, then. There's a small bit of a needle there. Now, come on, Mayo. You've got to get Andy Moran into the game. Our mission was to show that we're no longer the whipping boys of Munster. Hello, everyone, and uh, welcome to the Irish Examiner GA podcast. My name is Oshie McConville. I've been thrown into the hot seat by, uh, by Tony. I'm taking over from Mike Quirk. So, literally, big boots to fill. Tony Lean, I'm not sure if he thinks I'm after it, but he'll know from 2002 that I've got a little bit of stuff going on that he, that he still uh, has nightmares over. But uh, today we're joined by John Dively, Tony Lean, Paul Rouse, and we're going to talk about a multitude of things. But the first thing we're going to talk about, Paul, the fact that there may be a question mark over the leagues uh, going into um, the weekend. You can see the straws beginning to fly on the breeze inevitably now given the increase in COVID cases given the general across the 26 counties the general move to level three the higher incidence in Northern Ireland you can see the talk that we will go to level four and possibly to level five so that's the general context obviously in which these stories start to emerge that the GA may move to to not play the league matches and not alone, I think, is always there a question mark about the league. I think there's a question mark about the championship. For all that there's a huge will to play these games and people wish them to take place, I think a lot depends on the numbers. This is such a self-evident thing to say, that a lot depends on the numbers in the coming weeks. And I think where there is particular peril around the playing of league games is that the one thing about the championship structure and the provincial championship structure is that it's local matches, local travel, relatively contained. What makes the league different, of course, is the, the, its national aspect in, immediately across these two weeks. And if you look, for example, at my own county in Offaly, Offaly, Offaly are due to play in O'Connor Park against Derry in a, in a crucial match for both teams. Now, if you're, if you're from Derry, you're in the location with not just the highest incidence, with the, with the highest incidence, basically, of COVID-19 on the island. And the idea of travel from there into different places, it seems to me to be highly suspect in the context of where the numbers across the island are going. Tony? I think, Paul, it's a, like, it's a very fluid situation. Um, I mean, that's, that development that you're talking about was... Um, was, was part of the John Fogarty, our GA correspondent, story this morning. And I, I've had a few text conversations with some people, intercounties, and more recently there just with Crow Park. And they are still, they are very much driving on at the moment with the league. I mean, look, you, you know, 
as you say, these are things that will probably be taken out of our hands. You know, it's events nearby, but like certainly Crow Park at this moment in time are planning for an Allianz League. You can be absolutely guaranteed that inter-county managers and players are planning for a national league. But as you say, like, I mean, planning is one thing, but you're working, Paul, there, I'm presuming on the premise that this situation is going to deteriorate. If the situation stays as is now, if this level three restriction does achieve, you know, some sense of calming of the waters, why wouldn't the leagues go ahead? I hear what you're saying about the Derry situation. I mean, you know, we all look at our own counties first. Kerry are travelling up to Enniskeen. Mm. Enniskeen, I'm oh, sorry, to play Monaghan that weekend. And so it's the reverse type of situation. But there's no crowds. You're going to be operating pretty much in, in, in a bubble. You're obviously not talking, I'm presuming, about the 70 minutes on the pitch. Yes. Yeah. So, so why, if, if I, I take where you're coming from if, if this gets worse. And if there's a deterioration and you go to four or five, well, then the conversation is moved anyway because everything is shut down. But if we are where we are now, um, where, is that, where is that motivation coming from right now to actually halt the league and say we can't play the two games in the run of the championship? So, so, I, so I think the points, are, the points you make are well made. And just to be clear, I'm not arguing that these things should be stopped. Yeah. But what, what I'm talking about is, number one, the, con- the immediate GAA context is the fact that the GAA has stopped the playing of all club matches, regardless. And these are club matches. They're not saying we're going to play our club matches behind closed doors and we're not going to play anything. So there is a bit of a tension there between a decision to stop all club matches, regardless of crowds, regardless of stuff around it, and at the same t- time play inter-county matches. So there is a disconnect there, number one. And number two, um, if you listen to the health experts, they seem to as one, say that the minute you introduce a restriction, it takes several weeks for that restriction to have its impact. So it could be two weeks down the road before you see the impact of level three having a slow on things. And all the indications are that the numbers will continue to worsen over the coming weeks until the slow happens. And you see the chief medical officer coming out yesterday to express increased concern uh, about, about the incidence of COVID and its spread and that is in, a, in the context where things are much worse in the north than they are in the south. So yeah. that, that's where I would, that's where I think, I think that's the frame for John Fogarty's article. And I would take it, I, I would be in no way dismissive of what he suggests happening. And I'm not saying it's going to happen. And the point you made at the start is the key one. This is a fluid situation. And at this stage, you couldn't call it either ways. But why, like, why was the club, you, t- you look at it, um, lads, why, why was the club, uh, championships shut down as suddenly as they were. It's not. It's not because of COVID. It's because of crowds and the fact that you've got. And sorry, it isn't even just about club. It was about club finals. There's never. Yeah. There hasn't been a problem over the course of the last eight, ten weeks with club championship games. And it isn't even the club finals themselves. Unfortunately, it's the raucous celebrations that have been taking place after the finals that you don't have at any other stage of the championship. And I get the sense that, you know, and, and you know, everybody's been pointing to BlackRock and the car curling final. And, you know, while that is with some justification, I think it's also slightly unfair in that I think that that was probably the straw that broke the camel's back. I do know that the GA has been aware of situations in a load of 
other counties. And I think they've gone to a point with the club ball where they just said, hey, hold on a second, we can't police. Once they leave the ground, once they go back to their towns, their streets and their villages, we're in trouble because we can't police that anymore. That's why we're shutting that down. You don't have that problem with the intra-county. You won't have that with Derry and Offaly and you won't have that with Monaghan and Kerry. You also don't have it with the... Uh, ladies Gaelic football under 15 league in Dublin yeah. there's, no, there's no problem after and that's also closed down you also don't have it with uh, a junior club league competition in, in Wicklow or wherever so it's, it's that's, that's cause and effect though that's cause and effect Paul. you couldn't shut down a county final and then say look play away with everything else they had to shut down I mean if like for instance a lot of people have said like I think I I, I I did a count there this morning. I could, I could have missed one or two. I think there's 10 or 11 county fines left in yeah. the country. Some of them are low profile, let's be fair. Some of them, like the Cork football, the Donegal, are more high profile. But they couldn't, if, if people wanted to take the GA seriously, they couldn't come out last Monday morning and say, uh, Era, look, we'll play away next weekend and then we'll shut it down. So I think that's exactly right. And... and and I take that, but by the same token, I think your point is made that it's about the point is well made that it's about celebrations. But I don't think it's conceivable to argue that if, for example, Kerry win the All Ireland Senior Football Championship this year, that there won't be mass celebrations in Kerry. Oh, there will be. Yeah. So, so like the point about celebrating championship wins, I think it translates from club into county. And and I'm not I'm not I'm again I'm not in any sense trying to argue that this should be shut down. I'm just I'm just trying to point out the the reason why it might be shut down. If we if we think of the bigger picture, we're, we're going to be living with this for some time. So is there is the solution to keep, continue to to close down sport, lock down sport, stop all sport, especially GA? This is this is the great. This is the great question about every aspect of, of, of society, I think, on the island at the moment. To what extent do you allow things open up? To what extent do you, do, do you um, trust the behaviour of people and of people learning to live with all of this, whether that comes to the opening of cafes and restaurants or of people going to school or people going to college? And to what extent does sport fit into that and how does, how does that work? And the reality of it is that it's a really, really tough thing for policymakers, whether they are in sporting organisations or wider in, in government, to judge this one because people themselves find it very hard to judge. And if you're, you're asking people here to change behaviours by which they have lived all their lives and, it, and those behaviours, within those behaviours lie most of the joy of life, playing sport, congregating in groups, uh, having fun have, and, and doing things communally. So where does, where do you, how, where, how and where do you learn to live with that? And the truth of it is it's a slow process and it's very difficult. Like I, I have, it's very, it's very easy to say to the Dungannon footballers or to the Black Rock hurlers and so on. What are you doing? Like that's, this is completely against regulations, but I'm there thinking, well, if I just won a championship in those circumstances, sure, like, you're, 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 you're obviously ecstatic about it. Judgment is without doubt impaired and you go around the place. So it's, it's changing behaviours in any context is different, difficult. But changing behaviours repeatedly when there's no end in sight is exceptionally diff- difficult to ask people 
to do. So therefore you go to the point of how do we live with this? And we haven't worked out that balance yet. Just on the, just, sorry, Tony, on the, on the cork and the black rock situation. So I think that's completely different to um, what's gone on with Dungannon and what we've seen at the weekend uh, with, this, uh, with the Derry final, with Slock Neal and Mara Felt. Because what, the thing you're trying to gauge up here is how much of this reaction is political? How much is this one side point scoring against the other? And uh, so I think that that when we think of of the island as a whole, we should we should almost park some of the stuff that's going on in the north. As far as you can't deny the numbers, okay. But yeah. but Dungan and Clarks and the Derry County Board are now under a PSNI investigation as to what went on at the weekend. To me, that's an off the wall reaction to what 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 started off very much as a very, very um, isolated incident. Okay, so we have had so many games. Yeah. Yes, the problem arises when you get to uh, county final stage. But, but the, question, the question I want to ask is, is like, if we're playing inter-county games behind closed doors, so I'll give you the, the um, loud travel to Cork next week. Okay, so I'll give you their travel arrangements. They leave, they leave Louth at uh, Dundalk at 7 o'clock in the morning. They travel down there, they play the game and they come home. Like, I don't understand how that could contribute in any way to, to numbers. We have not heard of one case that has happened, you know, as far as the actual playing of our games in an, outdoor set, in an outdoor setting. Even the congregation of people, maybe there was too many people in Derry. Maybe they were too close together, um, but we, but but at the beginning of this, we were told that it was a, there was a one in one million chance of uh, contracting this virus outside. Now I want to try and get away from the from the science of what we're talking about because I'll be accused of not knowing enough about it, and that's 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 fair. But purely from a health and well-being point of view, surely we should be, as a nation, wanting these games to go ahead or, or certainly having some sort of hunger for them to go ahead. But not just that. When, that. when that meeting happens with those county boards, surely there has to be a groundswell that these games go ahead under whatever conditions. Unfortunately, and this is back to the question you asked, Bushin, um, a minute ago, and Paul picked up on it. Like, you are... Because you are dealing with the human spirit, because you are dealing with human beings who obviously have lows and highs and everything in between, you are going to be, while we're living with this, you are going to be in a situation where you make one step forward and two steps back. Like certainly in terms of the, the progress that was going to be made, and I'm gonna, because I'm not interested in this going on for, for, you know, I mean, away from the gap, but certainly in terms of our initial lockdown after March 14th, they were the major gains. They were all the steps forward. After that, you are obviously going to be in a situation where people get more lax. And when you throw in to the equation, you know, the excitement, as Paul mentioned, of a county final. I mean, I saw a situation above in, I think it was, wasn't it the Mead County final, which was on television, mm -hmm. and the stand in Port, Port Talton. And I've been in Port Talton many times, and I know there is only the one stand there anyway. I know they're developing it, but, you know, like, that's a sure indicator to me, just as Black Rock was last Sunday evening. 
that somebody somewhere was gone lax, hadn't switched on, you know, and you will have situations. I mean, ironically, I want to give a shout out. I, I don't know whether you're aware of this. Charitable uh, won the senior A, the second grade in hurling in Cork last Sunday in a cracker of a game, just as exciting as Black's, Black Rocks. They came back from an impossible deficit to beat Father O'Neill's. Straight away, somebody was enough, was switched on. Somebody took control of that individual situation and said, on the social media, lads, it's been fantastic, it's brilliant, we're excited, we're over the moon. We're going to do a Zoom call with some of the players, but we're not going to have any social gathering. Now, you contrast that with areas like Park Talton, like Church Road and Black Rock, you know, uncool. Uh, but it's, it's understandable, and it's easy to fob it off, call and say, ah, oh, look, it's understandable, it's a county final. At the same time, though, you would love if there was somebody in that situation was more switched on was more switched on to that particular. And that's what you're going to need when you're talking about getting your one step forward, the two steps back. If you can actually reduce the two steps back by actually somebody being in a situation and almost like, I know I'm in a club where, and I presume every other club in the country has their COVID officer. Yeah. You know, where was the COVID officer last weekend or the weekend before in those situations that I just mentioned? Where was that, sir? Were they actually drunk on the celebrations as well? They presumably were. But like, that's unfortunately where there was the loss. And I'm with you, Oisin, in the sense of you compare that to our National League games. And I think that's a great example you gave about loads traveling. I presume, I don't know the situation. I presume Kerry will do the same. I presume there's going to be, Derry will do the same to Offaly. It's not going to be one of those ones where you're going to book into a hotel for the night and expose yourself. You're going to actually play. I mean, John, John is on the call. John, who, who have you got in the first game back? Mail. Okay, well, so that's literally, that's an easy enough one for you or them. I don't know which one of you at home is away in terms of they'll just travel on the day. Like, I met you, John. Do you remember the night we Galway were down in Tralee? How different that was. You came down early on the Saturday. You played the game Saturday night. You stayed Saturday night. We're just talking, John, about that situation where to minimise the risk and to maximise the chance of the National League games going ahead, they're going to be an in-and-out job. Yeah, they should be. It's probably the easiest way and the safest way. Um, they'll have to maybe come to a decision about some teams losing home advantage and maybe finding a neutral venue. So if Johnny Gall were to play Kerry, example, and they don't want them travelling down the night before um, or staying the night of the match, they might have to maybe go to Limerick and play a game in Limerick. And I don't see anything majorly wrong with something like that. I think getting the league games played at the moment, um, like... Intercounty wise, I mean, and I, 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 O'Sheen will answer this as well as John because he's obviously been there and he's involved with intercounty. I mean, in terms of the loss that that would be in prep terms, O'Sheen, in terms of the two games, I mean, I know, like, I should know better with somebody. I know Kerry's two games. Galway has Mayo and who, John, left? Dublin. Oh, lovely. Okay. Um, Kerry Two's has, in. yeah, but I'm just saying, well, it's two easy ones, but I mean, Kerry has Donegal and Monaghan. But they're, how, I mean, how in training session terms, I mean, the value of that is massive. Yeah, it's, it's brilliant. Like, they're two great games to get going into um, a championship. So, I mean, certainly all the players in Galway are looking forward to them. Um, they've been looking forward to them for the last six months, hoping for the day that they get a chance to play Mayo in Dublin. So, hopefully it's coming. And uh, if it comes, uh, the guys will be eager and ready and up for it. I suppose we're lucky in one way that we're at home. So Mayo and Dublin have to travel to us 
uh, if Crow Park turned around and said, listen, guys, it's too far for Dublin, will you play them halfway? I mean, you'd have to just go with it and for the sake of the games to be played, you know. I don't think counties can start turning around and saying, no, it's either home advantage or nothing. If they want to play, we're going to have to be flexible in this, like every, everyone in the country is being flexible at the moment. Yeah, I think the I think the the, the value of two league games uh, is unquestionable. I mean, like that, I know some teams already played a number of challenge matches, but you know it's competitive action that they want. Um, a lot of gays are now out of club championships for some time, so they're going to need game time. But if two more questions on the on the on the league and whether they go ahead, would there be certain teams will have a vested interest in the leagues not going ahead at this stage? I would say if I was looking at the league table uh, and interpreting your question, Oshin, and you obviously have at least two counties in mind, so why don't you tell us who they are? Well, I was thinking Mayo mightn't be pumped about it going ahead, and certainly Fermanagh also. Then there are counties who have a massive vested interest in, in them going ahead. Yeah. Uh, so we'll look at, for example, Cork footballers who are top of Division 3 and really need to get out of Division 3 if if they... If, for, for them to progress the way they think they should progress. So it, it works both ways, I think, Oshin. I think, I think they would be mad to play those matches. Yeah, I, I suppose the, the other thing that I, I would say is that uh, I, I know two gays already who've come out and talked about this. Uh, Mike Quirk has, has mentioned on numerous occasions about the fact that his two league games are the most important two games that he will have. Mm. Uh, for the rest of the season. I spoke to Lenny Harbison yesterday, yesterday and uh, he said, like, Antrim have an opportunity now, win the last two games, get promotion into Division 3. Realistically, are, are, are Antrim going to beat either Cavan or Monaghan in the first round of the Ulster Championship? No. So their season will be done and dusted after that. So that's how important uh, these league games are to uh, even forget about the Championship. You know, for a lot of teams... League is where it's at, not championship. Oh, that is 100%. I mean, and logistically, um, and I tell you, actually, not just for counties, I'd say for an awful lot of other people, league is where it's at, and that's another day's debate. But, like, you look at Leash, you look at um, Leash are in that situation in Division 2, where I think they have Westmead and Fermanagh to play. You know, they need to win one of them to stay up, but if they win the two of them, they could actually go up. And, you know, that's the point you're making. I do know that if Leash win their first round game, they're playing Dublin in the second round. My point being that I know that Leash's second game is against Dublin. So with the best will in the world, Leash's season is going to finish then. So the other question I would just ask about pushing the point you just made is if you are Cork, I mean, and I know like you don't want these situations to start going into into you know a legal framework or anything, but I mean where but like if Cork were denied the opportunity to play their last two games. Like, you know, I have to say, and I'm not just saying it because I'm sitting in the county and I'm not from the county and I know Breed is on the call. She's the only court person on the call. But I think that would be outrageously unfair on Ronan McCarthy and Cork, especially at they're, they're at 100%. So I would imagine, going back to our original question about whether these two last games will be played, you would think for all sorts of reasons, folks, Crow Park would move heaven and earth to get these games played. And I think John's point is fair. If it came down to that the logistics had to change and the travel arrangements you know, had to be curtailed for one of the teams and they're going to be behind closed doors. Paul, isn't there becoming less and less reasons there for the games not to be played? I, I think what will blow up these games 
both the league and the championship is if there are COVID outbreaks within panels that spread through panels. That's, I think that would blow up. That would blow up. <coughs> I think that's what will derail games. I think apart from that, I would be surprised if they don't find a way to play both league and championship. I'd be surprised if they don't. Like it's a really, really tricky situation, though, as it's the obvious to say that, and it's a really, as you pointed out yourself, Tony, in the beginning, a fluid situation. But it seems from uh, the indication seemed to me to be when it comes to championship that whatever about the league, when it comes to championship, if a team, if a team has an outbreak and it's forced to, 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 to a match is put off, I think that team is just basically leaving the championship. I think they're not going to. There's not going to be mass performance yeah. here. I think, I think that's most likely. And I had a conversation with somebody in authority, Paul, a couple of weeks ago about this similar situation. And there seems to be this kind of unwritten rule now whereby what they would do in a situation of a team, like you're saying, have to pull out of a particular game. There seems to be three scenarios. One is that they would try to work it back into the calendar, but it is a very condensed calendar. So that would be a lot more challenging than it might appear. You might actually be talking about playing a game in midweek. Is that a possibility? Again, that would depend on geography and venues and floodlights. And thirdly, which is the nuclear option, unfortunately, but it is a realistic scenario, that you may just have to say to that team, that county, whatever, sorry, I apologise, but you understand we're going to have to move on without you here. I'd like to ask a question back, though, to, to, to you guys, and that's this. Should the club finals be played? You mean the ones that are we're still waiting, yeah. the 11 remaining ones? Yeah. Well, what, just before, I want to bring Breed in on that, because Breed, should the club, should the county finals be played? I, I suppose, look, things have definitely changed a lot in the last, in the last week or two um, in terms of, of COVID outbreaks. I suppose we were seeing a lot in the inter-county scene. But um, I suppose, yeah, you'd love to see the you'd love to see the county finals being being played off. Um, you'd love to see clubs have have built so much momentum in the last while. Um, it'd be very hard to continue training and not have an end result. Um, you know, of of when you're actually going to get it played. So I, I would be for it. Um, within counties, definitely. I'm not sure if I'm if the inter county thing is going to work out. But I suppose within counties, I would be for it at the moment. Yeah. I think I think I think possibly as 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 teams exit. So let's say the Donegal Championship, if they're taken out in the first round, don't yeah. understand why they why that game couldn't be played on the on the you know the next week, and uh, same in Cork and same elsewhere. You know, yeah. I mean, I don't understand that there's going to be teams that are going to go uh, deeper into the championship, uh, into county championship than others. But at the same time, you know, I, I still think there's a window of opportunity to play those games. I don't see any reason why not. Yes, of course, behind closed doors, but uh, the GA cannot be responsible for what what's the what the aftermath of uh, you know of, of county finals is. You know, we already said that. So, um, but as far as playing the games, I think the games deserve to be played. And I think those players deserve those games to be played. Yes, you see what you have as well, lads, is you have the giant shadow of the inter-county manager yeah. uh, looming over everything now. I mean, I don't know, I presume every county was different, but certainly I know that in, like, uh, certainly in a number of counties close to me here, last weekend was cut-off point. <clears throat> and if you didn't have your county final played last weekend, you know, sorry about that. Like, for instance, I mean, I look at my own company, Kerry. They're okay. They got their senior final played, but the intermediate championship is only at semi-final, the junior premier, the junior. And realistically, if 
for, let's be, you know, I mean, I'm not dissing any team that Kerry may play in Munster subsequent to Cork, but if Kerry beat Cork on November the 8th, that's the end of the club championship in Kerry until 2021. You are not finishing anything until January at the earliest day. Well, why, why couldn't counties get their championships played in time? I mean, they had, everyone had the same amount of times. Uh, there's only a few counties that have dual problems. So, like, I can only speak for Galway, who ran hurling and football championship every second weekend and got it completed last weekend. Um, so, not every county is faced with a dual situation. So, I don't understand, Tony, why some counties still can't <coughs> so I agree broadly speaking but Huffington Clare and Leash obviously lost those three weeks in the middle when they were locked down but I completely agree with the point apart from that yeah but most of the counties so awfully have theirs finished the football the hurling was due next Sunday and yeah. off, so that's the only thing and that's that was because the calendar was pushed back yeah, but you take them three counties out of it Paul there's still a lot more counties that are not I finished completely yet agree. completely agree and this is the problem that's gone on for years where you know, uh, some counties don't start their championships until October, even though their county teams are out in July. So, you know, look, everybody knows the GA have a huge opportunity now to restructure things going forward for, for all games. Um, and especially no more so will the, will the ladies in the camogie, will they get it? to stop putting pressure on all these players who want to play both, you know. I'd love to know Bridges' opinion yeah. on that because I think it's highly unfair oh, on what the girls have to go through. Yeah, it's farcical and unfortunately it has been farcical for a couple of years now and I suppose there has been pressure been put on them the last couple of years. I, I really, really don't understand how they can sit down and, and, and tease out um, things properly. Um, I, I don't know what the end result is. <laughs> is it going to come down to pitches being pulled by GA or, or, or you know, for, for, for them to really, really try to, to trash out fixtures? Both seem to seem to just want to dig their heels in and it's unfortunate that there's a lot of, ca of players caught in the crossfire. I think a lot of that comes down to the county board and what the expectations are within a county board. Uh, a lot of county boards, you know, you look at the county boards, you look at the Leash County Board who have said, listen, we're going to, you know, full, full support. I mean, initially their fixtures weren't due to be finished until this weekend anyway, I think. So you can see that the fact that they play, place a lot more importance on what's going on at club level than they do for, you know, at inter-county level. I think if you look at Waxford, they played off their uh, Harland Championship in uh, three days or something like that. I think it was uh, it was a blitz situation. It just seemed to be started, and all of a sudden we were talking about a county final at, at Harland level. So I think a lot of that boils back down to county boards, uh, how much support they're giving their inter-county managers. And uh, I think you, we've seen both sides of that. I think we've seen where the clubs seem to be the most important thing. And then in other counties, we've seen where, you know, the inter-county uh, situation seemed to be better. But I think for most, uh, I think there was <clears throat> a situation where there was a happy medium. And I think that's what you found in the likes of Galway. I know that's what uh, sort of went on in Armagh, uh, etc. But uh, as far as not having these games played, you can leave that fairly and squarely at the, at the door of the county boards. When is it going to change? Like, if we didn't have a pandemic, you know, the club championships would have been all over the place again this year. Yes. You know, uh, like, if that's the reality of it. So now we were forced into running 
very competitive uh, championships on time. And most counties, 99% of the counties, apart from a few counties who couldn't get away with it, um, as in your leash, Kildare Offaly, they had no choice. We had unbelievable, brilliant, competitive games where club players, inter-county players that are back in, we're loving this. The parishes, the people were going, this is brilliant. We've had, you know, we've been able to watch all the games. They're being streamed. Great local radio, great, you know, local papers and yeah. unbelievable championships. And like, that's what we want going forward. We want, we want these kind of championships going forward. Lads, just on that, what John's saying there about how good the inter-county championships were. I mean, like, I, see, I was able to see games from all over the country. What was the best game you've seen? Well, I know the best game I saw was um, one of the best games of football I've seen anywhere in, I'd say, a half a dozen years was the uh, Kerry semi-final between Mid-Kerry and Crokes. I don't know whether you saw it. I don't know. Yeah, it, was I actually, it. it was streamed on the night. Um, it was an extraordinary game of football. It wasn't something that um, those who love high-pressing, dark arts, tough defending... But, you know, it wasn't. It was. Do you mean? Do you mean? Do you mean all stuff? <laughs> no, 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 no. I. It was just. It was like a game of basketball. Lads. It was incredible, and the amount of scores, um, and the fact that there was a big shot at the end. I mean, Crokes, even though they were they were down, some of their key forwards, um, got an absolutely classic Crokes stroke cross McGlenn stroke best clubs Corrigan type goal from Gavin White deep in injury time, in extra time, and you said to yourself, well, okay, that was some effort by Mid-Kerry, but they just came up. And then the boys went down the other end and actually went straight down, got a point, got a goal, and then in injury time, in injury time, got the winner. 320 to 319, it finished. So there has been, I mean, in fairness, just thinking about it, even just think like, of the amount of the amount of extra times that were played in club yeah. championship, and like how many of them went to penalties. Like you know, we saw there recently, like you know, the Cork semi final going to penalties as well. Like it's remarkable stuff. All these games going to extra time. It's just been there's no bedtime. Like you know, we're <laughs> we're up all night watching matches. Like it's just phenomenal, and it's I I know it's probably energized clubs up and down the country. Like it's just been absolutely phenomenal. And you're talking about the the Kerry game there. I just thought the. Uh, the Kildang and Lockmore hurling, like uh, the hurling county final, I thought that was an exceptional game. And I suppose the way it was won at the very end, uh, and like you have to give credit to Brian McLaughlin. I think he came, like he was taken off in in normal time. He came back on in uh, extra time to to score the winning goal. Like you know these these type of things, like that, that man will never have to buy a pint or, or a ninety nine in the village ever again. You know, like it's unbelievable stuff. Um, but and like that, then like the other side of it, you're hard to go to Lockmore. Um, you know, having I suppose, and then the, the the week after having having lost football, like, but it just goes to show like the club is just the heart of of the GA. And like I think the sooner that you know. I suppose that the GA make these fixture changes, the better it'll be in the long run for everyone because inter-county players have enjoyed playing with the club for the longest spell. Um, it's just, I just think it's been absolutely amazing. And I know myself, like I, I'm retired now, but like even our club, the numbers of training have just been absolutely phenomenal this year. And having the county girls with you, like it just lifts standards. And like we've seen it in all the games across the, uh, across the summer, the standard that has, that has been on show has been absolutely exceptional. 
the co- the coverage also like I mean the opportunity yeah. Yeah. to see to see games that normally speaking you would never see. Yeah. I mean, uh, my mum's eighty five. You know, she was she was locked down. The only thing she missed, and she tell you that the only thing she missed was football. She gets her, <laughs> she gets us back out. But every the, every weekend you go in there, there's at least three games, four games streamed uh, right in the house. Somebody sets it up for her. She sits down, she watches it, and. Uh, that gets her through, you know, the weekend and, and from one week to the next. And you know, she's in there and she's talking about cases. Honestly, I never, I've, I've never heard about before. And I'm, I'm looking up these games and watching the replays. But the, uh, also the, the TV coverage. I did uh, Dungannon and Erica Cairn and probably not the, the greatest quality game. But Dungannon, you talk about teams go to extra time. They went to extra time. Uh, and all of the games went to penalties in, in, in two of them, including the final. They kicked the 45 to win the semi-final. I mean, like, if anybody believes your names in the cup stuff, I mean, like, yeah. it was unbelievable for them and from where they came from. They used 26 players in the semi-final. Yeah. 26 like, players in one game. That, that, that was a great game, Machine, and, and that's the beauty of what we've seen over the last few months where I could go in and watch a club game in Tyrone, watch a club game in Kerry. My brother's in Australia. He, he flicks on. He can watch club games all over. You know, and This is an international thing that's after happening. Now, forevermore, um, all the Irish people all over the world can go in and watch any club game. And they're no longer waiting on the report to come from a newspaper or, you know, they're no longer waiting on the paper to be posted. And, I mean, this is just, like, it's such... It's a great, great thing that's happened after happening. And um, I just hope that, you know, and it's a revenue stream. Look at each county board now. They can, and the quality is very good. So they're actually getting the money firsthand. I mean, Tony, you can, like, was it true that RT wanted to broadcast the Kerry County final and Kerry GA said no? Like, yeah. wh- why did they say no? Well, they said no because there's about five grand on offer um, if you actually take the uh, national network package. No, it's not RTE paid. It's a central fund that comes out of Pro Park and you get it. But you see, every every situation is different, Donny. I mean, in the sense of like, you know, there's the David Clifford fact- factor with Kerry, as there was last year. They turned down, um, I don't know, was it RT or TG Car last year as well? And they made a bundle off it because they got a crowd of 8,500 in the county final because East Kerry were in it and David Clifford was playing. And it was the same this year again. Um, they were relying on streaming, tenor to watch it. Now, of course, the kickback from that is, unfortunately, and there but for the grace of God goes all, because we've all obviously could be in the same situation. There were streaming issues with the Kerry County final, and there was a lot of complaints, and they were looking for their money back. And, so, and I know that that happened in some other counties as well. So it's the kind of thing where if you get it right, it's brilliant, and it makes the, it, it makes the games accessible, number one, it puts the players on a pedestal number two. Ordinary club players who won't ever play inter-county. And Breed was mentioning, obviously, the lads you know, from Kiladangan and Tip. And so you've actually got people... I mean, Brian Hurley, you saw Breed. Brian yeah. Hurley kicked the sideline there. All the stuff, yeah. Brian Hurley is, is a well-known figure, but I'm just saying that was on all over social mm-hmm. media. You know, I mean, so like it has elevated not just the club game, but it, it has elevated who would be previously anonymous players outside their own communities. And so where everybody, I mean, John, you're talking about your brother in Australia, Oshin, you're talking about your mother above in Cross McGlynn. 
suddenly now these type of lads are becoming household names. And so Malotny and Hurley and all these guys are like, oh, yeah, he's your man from Kiladangan. So in that sense, that has been really, really good. And you've had the added cherry on top, as Breed said, of so many games. I mean, even the Mead final. Obviously, I'm, you know, my mother's from Mead. I, you know, she's just outside Kells. I was interested in Gail Cullen-Gill. I wanted them to win. They were there. They had it won. And then all of a sudden, ball goes up the other end, bang, back of the net, Ratot end up beating them by a point. Uh, there seems to have been a great narrative to come out of every weekend, it seems, over about the last two to three months. Paul, do you want to run us through the Alfie County final or would you That's rather great, not? Austin. Thanks very much for that. <laughs> um, well, the first thing I will say is I agree with the points about the coverage. So, Offaly TV um, last weekend, it had Brian Gavin running a studio discussion with two former players. It had John Mohan on uh, a mic um, uh, in a, a co-commentary with Jerry Gavin. And on the sideline reporter was Laz Malloy, who people might remember who Laz Malloy is, but Laz Malloy got a call to come to the Offaly dressing room before a Leinster Championship match in Croke Park one day. But Offaly had no sub-goalie. And he came on at half-time in that match, having not even been named on the panel that morning in the middle of the 80s. So it was an amazing operation, right? And they've showed all the games. So the technological development in the course of, of the season by Offaly, GAA TV was absolutely superb. That's the first thing to say. And I think what's going to be really interesting to watch in the coming years is how the technology is changed and how it becomes more easily to access all of these games and what platform it's accessible on so that you can find it more and more available, more and more dispersed and the idea of county names. You'll see I've done everything I can here to avoid talking about the match. Um, Nothing to do with the actual uh, game then, Paul, no? Yeah, we're, yeah the, the game, uh, Road beat Tullamore. Um, my mother's from Road. My grandfather played with Road, won championships for them. My great-grandfather's won championships playing from Road. Myself and my brother did it for Tullamore. And it's, Road were the better team. Tullamore have a really young team who had a goal disallowed in the last minute that would have won the match with them. They lost by two points. They had a goal disallowed in the sixth minute of injury time. They were exceptionally unlucky. I have to say the best team won and Road are an admirable team who've dogged it out once again. But I would give absolute credit to a, a very young Tullamore team who came really close, uh, uh, dragged along, uh, not least by Johnny Maloney, who's an unbelievably good footballer playing, uh, playing, playing for, for Tullamore. John, John, to see this on the on the club championships, I presume yourself and, and Park were you know at club championship games. Uh, will we see a few changes as far as I know? There's a few. Uh, there's been a muted, muted. It's been muted. There's a few new guys in with uh, with Galway. Uh, will the Galway team that we see in the first round of the league? Will a lot of that be on who was informed during the championship, or do we go back to where you were beforehand? Uh, we we picked we haven't finalised our championship panel yet. Uh, we told the guys when they when the lockdown came that we would be picking our panel based on what we saw in the in the following 12, 13 weeks. And that's what we've done. We we've invited um, guys that really stood up uh, to the place in the club championship, and uh, we let go of some guys you know who didn't perform well in their club championship. And I think that's why the club championship is brilliant because. Uh, for inter-county managers, if you use it the right way, we got to go and see them in the flesh. We weren't relying on second, third-hand reports. We could see a guy. If we got a report 
you know, some games we had scouts at every game, the ones we couldn't go to. We, we could go and see him then um, the following weekend or two weeks later because there was a group stage in Galway. So every team was guaranteed three games. So if somebody played really well and we weren't there, we could go see him and make up our own mind two weeks later. And if we needed to watch him again, you know, so we got a couple of bites of the cherry to watch all these new players. So yeah, th- there'll be a few new faces uh, invited into to our squad. And, um, you know, it'll be our job then to gel them together. I mean, they're all excited to be back in training now the last two weeks, uh, having much time to work with them tactically. And, you know, the fitness levels, while they've been very, very good in club, you know, it is a different standard up and it does take them a week or two to get back up to where you'd like them to be. Um, and then ourselves, like every other county, would have picked up three or four injuries. And unfortunately, an injury this time of the year with the nature of the knockout championship uh, is going to rule some guys out for the rest of the year, which is which is very unfortunate for them. But that gives an opportunity then to the to the newer lads coming on stream. So, yeah, it's been really good that way uh, for us to s- actually see guys in the flesh and not rely on second-hand reports. If there was, if there was John, one result um, that kind of raised eyebrows that didn't involve somebody lifting a cup at the end of the day, obviously it was Cara Finn. I mean... Give us, like, did they just literally run out of road and run out of legs at the end of the day? Yeah, a little bit, to be honest. Um, I suppose the fact that Montpellier uh, had defeated them on the day, uh, when you look back at the last five or six years, wouldn't have been a big surprise. Montpellier have lost by a point on one or two occasions, have drawn. You know, they've been really close over the last few years. And maybe the fact that Corrifin lost a couple of key players throughout the game you know, um, it, it didn't help them. But on the day, Montpellier really expressed themselves. They went for the juggler. Uh, maybe they got a bit of luck at the right time this year that they, they didn't get a few years previously. But uh, it, was, it was a marvellous win for Montpellier. It, the whole county, you know, uh, while everyone admires Corrifin, and, and we certainly do because we have a lot of their players in our squad, uh, it's good for football in the county to have new champions and uh, Mike Cullen again then went and, and turned over Montpellier a week later and that was a brilliant game uh, an unbelievable individual performance from their captain Desi Keneally who's only 22 years old and uh, scored 1-9 or something did he? scored 1-9 yeah, yeah. and uh, had 1-3 from play 1-3 from play um, had two or three different markers on him and uh, showed a lot of resilience uh, and a lot of character uh, because he played with NUIG this year and he actually had a free to, to win the game um, against um, oh, Cork UCC and he, and he missed it and, and UCC went on and, and won the Sigerson. Sorry, that was last year. And, you know, that was a big thing for a young lad like that to hold uh, in the back of his mind, pressure freeze and, you know, he's, he's, he's weathered the storm and he's come back and um, he actually missed a free to go... Uh, to, to put them ahead the last day again, but it didn't stop him. He, he, he nailed the next two frees, and it was really good to see for a young guy like that. So uh, Desi Keneally was outstanding. And then Mike Cullen, like it's Mike Cullen's first ever championship. So for a club to win their first ever championship is obviously a very special occasion. And they've had a lot of stalwarts there, the likes of Garrett Bradshaw, who's played for years for Galway. 
So it was really good for him to finally get a county medal. And it, it meant for a great game. Um, and as I said, even though people couldn't go physically be there, you know, everyone from every club in Galway sat down to watch that game, you know. And, and uh, so there was, they probably had more people watching their, the game than if there was no live streaming available, you know. Yeah. Is, uh, De- is Desi in the Galway squad? He is. Any more questions? <laughs> That's as much as I'm going to get with the looks of things. He's um, in the squad. He's in the squad. We'll, we'll move it on, Breed. Um, just at the time when we thought you were going to throw your feet up, relax. It turns get out get a bit soft. Yeah. Yeah. It turns out you're heading for Australia. Um, How did that come about? Yeah. So I know it's it's been, um, I suppose, a crazy couple of weeks now. Um, but... Um, yeah, I suppose it goes back maybe a couple of years. Myself and Cora were just chatting one night after um, a latest football do. And uh, yeah, we were just chatting. I was asking her how she was getting on Australian, if she liked it. And, and she, you know, she, she spoke so highly about it. But she, she just asked me if I'd ever have any interest in it. And to be honest, I, I definitely didn't at the time. Um, I knew I was going retiring in the, kind of the months that kind of came after that. And um uh, I suppose we set up a, our own business, uh, my core supplements, in start of of 2017. So we were flat to the mat with that, and uh, I suppose looking to to start a family. And thankfully, you know, we were we were blessed a little boy last year, and um, I kind of said I'd see how things went because you don't know if you're going to get a colicky baby or not. <laughs> and um, look, thankfully, he's been he's been a dream, and um, I was able don't, to train it. <laughs> I was able. Say to, that. <laughs> he's been a dream well okay he's been grand okay well he, he's he's um he's been okay like to be fair to him and um i was able to train away during pregnancy and uh thankfully i was able to to go back training and uh, not too long after after um i had him so um yeah i suppose last last september maybe now um alan mcglock or mcconnell got in contact with me again he's the head coach over in giants and um he just asked me if i would have interest in coming over um for the 2021 season and um it kind of all snowballed in from there so yeah how did you actually i mean this is the bit that intrigues me like how did you keep this stone for so long i mean how did you how did this not get out because i presume you must have been out kicking around with an oval ball people must have been saying like, like what, what are you doing Brady? yeah uh yeah lockdown was good to me anyway um because i suppose there wasn't uh too many people out around where where i was kicking with um with mike um so i i meet up with um a fella um, Mike twice a week um, he's over AFL Women's Ireland and um, so I kick at him twice a week for the last couple of months and yeah I don't know there hasn't been any any groundsmen or anything come over to us so um, we've kind of gotten away with it but um, yeah look I still have a load to learn and I'm under no illusion that I have a lot to to, to learn and to, to do when I get over there but um, I think I'll be going over the first week in November into pre-season and I can imagine that's uh, pretty grueling and um, so I suppose just looking forward to the challenge Um I still feel that I have uh, a good bit to offer I'm still very competitive and I suppose it's something that I want to do and uh, and and see what I'm made of I suppose really. Bree can you give me a little bit more on the logistics how is this going to work? 
Yeah, well, if you know more about the logistics, I don't know all of it yet. Um, I suppose uh, my husband is is traveling over with me. Thank, thankfully, he's in a position to travel, and um, we're bringing our son obviously with us as well. So right, okay. uh, I think we're leaving the first week in November. Um, if any of you have any tips on how to deal with a, a one-year-old for 24 hours on a plane, that would be greatly appreciated as well. Um, how much whiskey is too much whiskey? Or do you know? Um, and then I suppose we, we land over and from what I've heard, you know, it's extremely strict and the quarantine side of things. Um, I think the army meet you at the plane or, or at the gate and you're taken um, to a hotel for 14 days. So I think it's a hotel room, um, but I, I think that the club are trying to get a bit of flexibility for a family situation that you might get maybe an apartment, but you're there for 14 days. Um, so I, I suppose that's the part. I'm definitely not looking forward to that part um, with, with a small baby but um, and, and maybe not being able to get out and go for walks and get a bit of fresh air. But um, I suppose, look, we'll, we'll have to take it as it comes. Um, then we go into, I, I suppose, go into pre-season and um, hopefully get accommodation sorted um, in the next while and, and probably have to start a car as well. So that's, that's as much as I know really at the moment. And uh, I suppose pre-season goes on then for a couple of months and um, the championship game starts in um, February. And with Cora, Cora and Yvonne obviously over there, and uh, yeah. have, you, have you been watching, their, would you have watched their games in any case or would you be doing a bit of uh, swatting at this stage? Yeah, um, yeah, I, I was watching a good few of their games last year. I suppose um, definitely took a bit of an interest and uh, downloaded. There's a brilliant uh, AFLW app, so I was watching a lot of the games on that, um, which was great, and got to see the girls in action, got to kind of learn kind of the game a small bit, learn the rules. Um, but I think it was until I went kicking with Mike that he really broke down the basics and kind of went through the actual rules and, you know, what's deemed a foul and everything. So uh, there's a lot of technical things all right to get right. And I suppose even um, the handballing, um, like the hand pass, if you follow through with your hand, it's deemed a foul and, and things like that, you know. So just trying to learn all those little things um, and I suppose not... Um, you know, put a big, uh, a big marker on my on my head, saying, you know, watch out for all these. So, um, yeah, look, we'll just have to take it as it comes, really, because I, I am going in a small bit blind in that side that I haven't got a chance to kick kick with, you know, Cora or any of the other girls. Um, I haven't uh, got a chance to to take the tackles or anything like that. So, um, I suppose preseason will will hit hard, literally. <laughs> Sorry, Ocean, I was just going to say, I know this is like kind of rapid fire now because we all want to fire questions. But I mean, I, I must admit, I'm, I mean, when I saw this yesterday morning, like I was thinking to myself, like, wow, like what an opportunity in life. And I'm just wondering, Breed, I mean, and I, I know I'm only half slagging about how you actually kept it so quiet because, I mean, I don't know whenever this opportunity, when he actually made the call, Alan, and said, look, we want you over. Is that a kind of a one where you turn around to Cork and you say, like, you know, we're going, I just can't pass this up? Or was it yeah. something that you spoke about and you kind of let it simmer for six months and kind of said, yeah, the pros, the cons, will I leave it off? You know, I mean, it must have been hard in a way to suppress the excitement is what I'm saying. Um, yeah, I suppose it's probably only gotten really real um, in the last couple of maybe three months for me, to be honest. Um, definitely it was a slow burner and... I think um, I couldn't I couldn't commit to anything until 
you know, I suppose there was a newborn um, on the scene and trying to deal with a newborn as a first time parent was was a struggle enough, to be honest. Um, and uh, look, as I said, I was very fortunate that um, he was he was a good baby, but I had loads of support around me. Um, you know, mom and dad and Cork's parents were absolutely phenomenal help. And um, it, you know, for the for the initial stage, so he was born in October, so I had a good you know five months of a lot of help um, from them until you know the the real lockdown happened. So um, I suppose it definitely was a slow burner. As I said, we have a business as well, so there was a lot to consider. Um, you're taking two of the directors out of that business, um, so there was a lot to consider for the other um, for the other two lads, Fikra and Fionn, um, as well. So you know, there was a lot to consider. Um, but I suppose there was definitely something burning inside me that I, I would love to, to give it a crack. And we're, I'm never going to get an opportunity like this ever again. Um, definitely not towards the latter stages of my sporting career. So you have to grab it with two hands. And look, life is for living. I've never gone to Australia. Um, I know it's a very, very unsettling time. Um, we'll try to be as absolutely as, as, as safe as we possibly can. But I, I just think I have, to, I have to give it as much of a go as I can. What do you think, Bridge, is going to be the hardest skill to master or get your head around because uh, the competitive side of it you know you'll, you'll fit right in you know you'll man mark someone and you'll deal with the crowd and the occasions it's what do you think is going to be the hardest skill to perform under pressure in this new game um yeah i i suppose just um trying to deal with the bounce of the ball is is the is the biggest thing at the moment um I, I'm, I'm kind of after doing a lot of repetition on the kicks. So look, I don't know when it comes to a real pressure situation if the kick will, will you know, come good for me as well. But uh, I suppose the ground ball is definitely the, the biggest thing. And um, I suppose I, I don't know if he's looking at me in a defensive role or, or where I know a lot of the Irish girls play around the middle because kind of picking up loose ball and getting rid of it quicker. Um, so the, the bounce definitely bounce. is the ball. Yeah. Um, yeah, so like that's something that I need to do. And I suppose, look, I, I, I haven't, I, I played camogie for a couple of years, but like Cork is always telling me, you know, uh, he would have played hurling and he plays hurling obviously um, for, for many, many years. And he said, it's just trying to slow down the ball in your eye, you know, um, when it's on the move. Um, so I'm just trying to practice, practice, practice the ball you know, coming up in different directions and trying to get a hand to it. Um, I suppose the big thing as well is like that, you you know, it's not just the first touch, it's the second, the third, the fourth, that you just keep going. You're nearly like a headless chicken, you know, chasing the ball as well. So um, I suppose just to make sure I develop my stamina and strength and and just keep keep chasing the ball um, as much as possible. Is, it, is there a dummy solo on the horizon? I've seen Conor McKenna master that a couple of times with the Australian rules ball. Can we expect that yeah, from the priest? If you see me doing a dummy solo now, Sheen, I'd say it would definitely be I'm after losing a bet or something, or some capacity. So I will not be, I will not be signalling myself out in any capacity. Definitely not. Um, Trying to conform, Braid. Yeah. No, I'll be, I'll be nicely just sitting in. I might even get the small fella a little man bun or something, but I am not. I'm not going to be standing out in the crowd. I'd say no. Yeah. No, it's I suppose it's exciting times. I suppose what are you looking forward to most? Is just is it just the adventure, or is it the sport, or is it the, the just the change in lifestyle, or the change in pace, or it's the yeah. money. It's the money she wants. I got it. It's not the money anyway. <laughs> but um, no, it's uh, it's it's a combination of all those. Ashin definitely. Um, I suppose look. Uh, first and foremost, as a sports person, you, I I'm I cannot wait to get into a professional setup. Um, you know, I suppose 
we were so successful with Cork, I came as close to what I feel would have been a very, very professional setup. But um, I suppose uh, money is the big, big difference there. And uh, just to, to see facilities and see the setup and see, I suppose, everything that goes with it. Um, I'm I'm really looking forward to that. And I suppose learning a lot of life lessons along the way. Um, and then definitely, like you say, a bit of a, a change of lifestyle, change of pace. Um, I suppose we've been we've been going frantic for the last couple of years, especially having set up a new business and, and working alongside of it. Um, we're all teachers as well. So it's just been been fairly frantic the last couple of years. So definitely looking forward to I, I hear the Aussie lifestyle is a little bit more laid back and and come here. You can't you can't beat a bit of sunshine as well. You know, um, I, I gladly give up a bit of sideways rain um, for the for the next couple of months, you know, more laid back than Cork. Yeah. My God. <laughs> We, we, I know we're very, very tense here in Cork always. So, um, looking forward to a bit of a bit of a laid back um, lifestyle, definitely. And you're, you're just, you just it well. You're guaranteed breed to be there until I presume what May, April, May. Uh, I, yeah, yeah, I think the season ends around um, early May, um, maybe late April. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, I'd say we might get the curly finger then from the grandparents to to come yeah. home. Um, so yeah, sure. Look, we'll we'll give it a crack for for the season and see how things go. And sure, look, it could go great. Um, it, it mightn't go to plan, but we have to give it a, a give it a go anyway. Back to the news this stone summer. How many? How many? Um, how many Irish girls are currently playing in Australia? Yeah, I think there's 16, 17 at this stage now. Um, so I suppose Cora started off a couple of years ago. There was definitely the Cora effect about four years ago. And um, there's been a steady increase the last couple of years. So um, there's maybe, uh, I'm not sure now, but I think there's one or two new clubs after farming. So, you know, the numbers that are going over, you can only, you know, gauge from that, that, you know, more clubs maybe are going to be set up and the season could get longer. So I don't know if it's something that's sustainable for the Irish girls going forward, but for now it's, it's something that they're, that they're very willing to do. And I suppose because it mirrors and um, the, the LGFA season here, it's something that has been feasible, but, um, you know, going forward, if there are more, 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 more girls, more teams, longer season, I'm not sure what's, what's ahead for a lot of those girls. Just from from all of us, just you know, best of luck, and we'll be watching on with anticipation. Please do a dummy solo. <laughs> just for you, I'll do an O. I'll do an O for Rasheen. Folks, Thanks, uh, that wraps up uh, this week's edition of the Irish Examiner uh, podcast. Uh, join us again next week. Thanks to John, Tony, Breed, and Paul, uh, and best of luck to Breed with our adventure down in Australia. Thanks, folks. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out of pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.